Hello and welcome to the Oasis Church podcast. This talk is taken from our series Exploring Advent, a time when together we learn what it is to face darkness, see light and wait expectantly. Thanks for joining us. Here we go. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Welcome to the final part of our Advent series. Um, can I just add my welcome to those in the room, those upon the balcony and those online. It's really great to um, be able to share a little bit about what's, what's on my heart this morning with you all. Can you believe we are so close to Christmas? Actually, next week is Nativity Who? And if you've not already got your costume in mind, yes, maybe I've spent the last six months planning ours. Well, you've got a whole week to find yourself a tea towel and get stuck in. Fear not. Uh, for those of you I haven't had the joy uh, to meet yet, my name's Alice, and as, as well as being a real enthusiast for fancy dress, um, I'm actually really knowing the reality of Advent this year, that waiting in, in anticipation, we've been excitedly expecting the arrival, arrival of my not-so-little sister's um, little new baby. And when Monday's due date came and went, well, anticipation just builds. These babies never seem to arrive when they're meant to, well, do they? Anyway, we've had a little addition to the online contingent this morning as my little nephew was born Thursday morning to a very exceptional set of parents uh, and is watching his very first church service this morning online with us. Um, no pressure on his auntie delivering the first sermon he hears. Let's not put him off. Anyway, so if you're new around us uh, or if you've been here the last few weeks but have just forgotten, we've been doing this series on Advent and um, building on this passage that Miranda read so beautifully uh, to us. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. 
We began our series with the recognition of the reality of the darkness that confronts us in the world that we live in. It's hard to miss it, isn't it? Isaiah wrote this prophecy at a time when the Israelites were aggressively divided up by opinion and geography, ruled by leaders they didn't think they could trust. Bad news seemed to confront them on a news cycle. Does it sound familiar? And from this passage, Mike shows us that the Bible looks square on in the face of that darkness. It doesn't deny it or ignore it. It shines a light straight into the face of that darkness. And the darkness can't overcome it. It speaks hope in the midst of hopelessness. That Isaiah's words, even though written in a time that was intensely dark and seemed hopeless, Isaiah speaks as if the light has already come. Because the light that Isaiah was speaking of was so powerful that the darkness that seemed to surround them paled in comparison to the truth that was coming. The people who walking in darkness have seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness. A light has dawned. That light that, was exposed, that exposed the darkness was Jesus Christ. Christus Victor. Christ the Victor. And last week, Will explored and explained each of those incredible titles that Isaiah used to describe Jesus. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And I encourage you to go back and listen to that talk. It was just excellent, really good food for the soul. But you see, before Jesus came, this world was ruled by the powers of sin, darkness, and death. They had free reign to wreak havoc and cause pain and suffering, holding their grip on God's good creation, on his beloved people. But the, the reason we as Christians get so excited about Christmas is that this was the moment when the promises that Isaiah and so many other pro prophets had spoken about was going to come into fulfillment. Christ invaded this occupied territory and defeated sin and darkness. He conquered death and is now seated with his father, living proof that the victory is, is won. Sin, death, and darkness no longer have any authority in this territory. Like Will described last week, Jesus' coming changed everything in that moment. And don't be under any illusion. Jesus ascending to his Father doesn't mean that things go back to their old way down here. When Jesus went to be with his Father, he sent the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is clear that we need the Spirit to come John 16 says, it is to your advantage that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the helper or the Holy Spirit will not come. Jesus is saying, you, you want me to go because then the Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to do the business. And the Holy Spirit is active and moving, bringing the kingdom of God into the reality of this here and now. So we find ourselves in second advent, don't we? waiting with great expectation for the day that Jesus will come again in his glory, make this creation whole, his kingdom fully revealed on this earth. But it's not clear. We're only seeing in part. We get glimpses into the kingdom to come. We only get to see part of the story. There's so much more to be revealed. The Bible uses a term of revealing or invading called apocalypsis. That's the term the word that the Bible uses for this unveiling, this revealing. It's where we get our word apocalypse from. But this apocalypse is better than any film with Martin Sheen or Marlon Brando in it. Has anyone else seen Apocalypse now? I didn't know it was Marlon Brando. Anyway, 
that apocalypse in these, in these sorts of films that we see, it's, it's confusion, it's fear, isn't it? But what Paul describes in, his unva- in this unveiling is something beautiful and restorative. Paul talks about this apocalypsis in Romans 8, verse 18. Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. Jesus comes to expose the darkness for the shadow that it is. He is coming to renew and to make whole. And Isaiah, this passage that we've been reading, gives us more glimpses of what this kingdom's going to look like. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Or in another translation, it says, his ruling authority will grow. There will be no limits to the wholeness he brings. So what does this kingdom look like? What do these verses describe? Number one, a government. What's that? It purely means the reign, the rule, the area that, that Jesus is going to rule over. His kingdom, his principality. Jesus Christ, our Prince of Peace. Darkness, sin and death no longer have authority in his territory. He'll bring peace and wholeness. Governments are known for something that they managed to achieve during their time in power, don't they? Well, King Jesus' reign will be represented by the restorative power, the power that it brings to heal and to set free. And then finally, no end is what it says on the tin. No four-year reign and then up for re-election. No losing favor with the crowd. It's eternal. No end. That word actually means not just in time, but in space as well. This is not just for us here in Oasis Church, but for the whole of humanity, the whole of the universe. Doesn't that sound like a kingdom you want to live in? Well, it's not a kingdom I want to live in. And that's the invitation that Will gave us last week, that we have the opportunity in following Jesus to be part of seeing this kingdom come on earth. What does it look like to follow Jesus? What difference does that make to our lives? Well, rather than hearing to me go on about it, I thought I'd invite some friends up just to come and tell you a little bit about the difference that Jesus has made in their life. So I'm inviting Amber and Josie just to come and join me up here, if that's okay. Can we give them a little round of applause just to get them up here? Okay. Now, this is the first time they've been up here, so just we're going to hear them out and hear some wonderful testimonies that they've... This is Amber. Amber's one of our youth. And we're going to tell us a, a fun fact about what you love about Christmas, aren't you? Um, Kick us off. Is it on? Yeah. Um, the one thing I really love about Christmas is the fact that I'm able to see all my family, um, especially my great-grandma, who's still luckily able to be with us all. Um, and it's been amazing that we're just able to like gather as a family, have really nice food, and for her just to be able to like experience it all. Amber, this morning, you're going to tell us a little bit about the difference Jesus has made in your life, aren't you? Um, So, yeah, I'm Amber. And um, for me, when I was born, my parents um, was able to give me the opportunity so that um, later on in my life, if I wanted to be baptised, and that was something that I would choose to do. Um, So they made the decision that when I was born, they wouldn't baptise me. So at the age of 10, um, at my previous church in St. Lawrence, um, I got confirmed. So I went to the Alpha course, I did confirmation class, and I was basically just, yeah, declaring my faith for Christ. Um, But for me, Jesus is someone who I can look up to, someone who I'm able to talk to with no judgment. Um, I know that he's there for me. I know that, one, I'm blessed. Two, I'm loved. 
And those are like the two most important things, which I think, yeah, just declare everything. And um, I think especially with these two past years of COVID, with the uncertainty of it all, with lockdown, with isolations, um, with school in general, I think we've all been through ups and downs. Um, I know I have. And if anything, we've needed Jesus more in these past two years. So I've definitely used him as, yeah, my someone who I can just talk to and I know he will listen. I know he's there for me. And um, I guess I'm really lucky in the sense that I've been able to be safe during this time or my loved ones have been able to be safe. Um, but I know that's not the case for everyone. And I think one thing I've really learned from Jesus is that sometimes he puts us through the hard times too in order to make us stronger. Um, I know for me, I myself have experienced this with just like school, friendships, um, life in general. And it may seem really hard at some points, but I know that he's able to bring me through that time. And the fact that the reminder that I constantly have to remind myself that I'm blessed and I'm loved to have him in my life is big enough. And I've been able to like get through those. And I think that's one of the main differences Jesus has made in my life. I haven't had any like massive encounter with him or any um, appearance with him, but knowing that I'm loved, um, I'm so grateful for that too. And knowing that he's always there for me, everybody in this room too, is enough. And yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Go sing. Um, now, Josie's a very familiar face in my life because Josie lives downstairs from me in the flat below. So, Josie, just tell us, what's, what's your thing about Christmas? What's your favourite thing? Oh, um, aside from the presents. Aside um, from the presents? Oh, including the, the presents. The, presents the, were the given. pigs in blankets. Oh, really? <laughs> oh, mate, that's going to have to be a um, central role in our Christmas yeah, dinner next week. Absolutely. Um, no, I, I mean, I like going home to see family and friends and just the warmness of kind of nestling in and, you know, hibernating yeah. through the Christmas period. I love it. That's the way to go. And Josie, what difference has Jesus made in your life? Well, um, a lot. I've made notes. Um, okay. <laughs> My new life of Christ. Um, I thought I'd start by talking about the kind of conversion. And to do that, I do need to go back some way. I was raised well, by my parents, but also my grandparents who were Catholics. And so that meant that I would go to Mass occasionally and I would sit there and be confused and also wanting to know God, but not quite feeling like I met the mark. And I was never baptised, um, so I didn't get confirmed. And I just, I just felt like I didn't quite belong, but I wanted to know Jesus. Um, so... That kind of went on for a while, and then, sadly, my mum died um, very suddenly. And I thought, what's the point in all of this? Why, if God's here, why did God let this happen? Um, and so I just thought, well, there isn't one. That has to be the case, that there isn't a God. Um, so I went on with life, mostly kind of flat and just pretending to be joyous and just kind of confused, not really getting it. So that went on for some time. And then in current sort of times, more recent events, 
um, I ended this really unhappy relationship with a staunch atheist. And um, I'm so, so glad I did because <laughs> um, when I left on the Friday, I said to my Christian friend, Emma, I said, have you got anyone who's got a room? I need a room. And she said, I don't know, I'll have a think. And then, so that was the Friday. By the Wednesday, I got a call saying, my friend Hope has a room. And I thought, great. And I went and um, I moved in on the Saturday. And I just felt better. I felt a sense of peace again. And um, from there on, God has just been kind of coming into my life from all angles. So um, my neighbor back home is a pastor. And she kind of got in touch with me when I went home um, to see my dad. She explained the gospel to me. And the story of Adam and Eve. And I was like, what? Eve ate an apple and then all of this happened. And I didn't get it and I was confused. And she talked to me about God. And I'm like, okay, so when I'm praying, who am I talking to? And she said, well, you're talking to God and you're talking to Jesus. And I said, I'm talking to Jesus. Yeah, and you're talking to the Holy Spirit too. And I was just so, so confused. I was like, what is this? Okay, I'll go with it. I think it's good. Um, and then kind of in the meantime, I would just grew more and more curious, asking loads of questions, really hopeful that, yeah, this story makes sense. Like, it makes sense that we are living in this kind of fallen world, but that Jesus is there and it's being turned around through us, through the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, and then I heard about Alpha, Anyone else here heard about alpha? <laughs> <laughs> alpha. I'm like, well, alpha male? Like, what is this alpha? Um, and, and then, you know, Alice invited me and, and I came. And um, on the day it was due to start, it was a Wednesday and I was at work. And this is really sad. Um, I got a phone call to say that my friend Joy had sadly taken her life. And I was distraught. And um, Alice actually came downstairs and she said, can I pray for you? And I said, yeah, okay. And, um, and then she started praying <laughs> in front of us. And I thought, well, like, <laughs> this is cool. But I learned actually, and it stuck with me, that God is a forgiving God and that he wept with us on that day. And that actually this is not how it's supposed to be, but that we can invite Jesus into our lives. And we can feel peace. So for me this year, the pandemic, just loss, just loads of loss. Um, and it kind of just left me really stressed and depressed and I was just in darkness, but through that, through the cracks, light came through, and I felt periods of genuine joy, you know, I felt joyful, I, I feel joyful, and I can endure these things, and in Jesus, you know, I couldn't do it before. Um, I feel optimistic about the future, and I have the capacity to forgive, 
a capacity that I didn't really have before. I was so angry. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, th I'm so thankful to Oasis and just to Jesus and to all of the ways he tried to get into my life again. <laughs> um, and I'm so grateful he didn't get up because, uh, give up because my life is transformed now and I will leave it there. Thank you. <laughs> some fantastic and, and these are just glimmers aren't they I know there are so many more stories in in this building that I could have asked to have come and shared and we'd be here well until 2030 if we weren't careful these stories are just the beginning of God's kingdom on earth when we follow Jesus when he becomes our government our prince of peace it changes everything the peace and the wholeness then becomes a promise for us what else does Isaiah say this kingdom looks like it says in the, in the passage we've read, he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The fairness and justice becomes a promise for us too. You see, when you follow this king, when the Holy Spirit changes your heart, fairness and justice become your desire too. You see sexism in the workplace, the Holy Spirit says, says to you, this is not my kingdom. You see racism in society, the Holy Spirit puts on your heart, this is not my kingdom. You see those who are houseless or work in the sex industry on our streets. The Holy Spirit says to you, what are you going to do about this? This is not my kingdom. These are our moments that remind sin, darkness and death. You don't reign here anymore. Our moments to join with heaven's armies and say, our king is coming, prepare the way. Each of us will have different injustices or people groups that the Holy Spirit wants us to partner with him in bringing light into the darkness. For a friend of mine, she was so consumed by the number of women working in the sex industry in Leicester and the hopelessness of their, their situation that she began looking for ways to show them the love of Jesus. And through that, she was part of a group that set up a charity called Sapphires, which reaches out friendship and advice, as well as practical, while showing these women that there's a God in heaven who loves them, who knows their name, sees their worth, and who has a better way for them. Like that carol that we sing is, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. When you allow your heart to be changed, when you step into following Jesus, not only does it change you, no, long, no longer are you number one. It starts to spill out of you. I'd read recently of a lady who met Jesus for the first time in a chapel that her friend had invited her to. She confronted her friend afterwards. Why didn't you tell me that God is my father, that he made me, that he has a plan for my life? You didn't tell me that God has a fire, that he puts his fire inside of you so you can blaze for him. And when you encounter other people, the fire he's put on you can touch other people and they can catch fire for him as well. Why didn't you tell me? The Holy Spirit comes and it changes our hearts. But it's good news we can't keep to ourselves. Every moment of generosity, of speaking out against injustice, of comforting a crying child, of comforting a friend, saying sorry, it's a pushback against the darkness in this world. But too often we want to keep it to ourselves, as, as if the gift God's given us is, is only just enough for me. It can't quite stretch to my neighbour or that situation. We end up being like my little goddaughter who had to think twice about giving me a lolly she'd actually saved for me. She knew I was coming over to visit, had picked out this chocolate lolly 
that she was going to give to me. And, and as she was handing it over, I could see on her face the kind of, but I want this lolly, and is there going to be enough for me? She's excellent, by the way. And actually, I'm a dreadful godparent, because a good godparent would have said, should we halve it? But I thought I was teaching a good spiritual discipline by saying, that's mine, thank you very much. <laughs> Thankfully, my friend had a backup lolly. <laughs> There's more than enough of this good news to go around, and we're invited to partner with God to participate in the outworking of that first advent, an outworking of the kingdom of God coming on earth, not because God needs us. He's complete in the whole source. The kingdom of God has already been won. We're not responsible for its outworking. God is already enough and is committed to its outworking. That last part of Isaiah Uh, The passage says that God's level of commitment describes as the zeal of God, or another translation, the passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's army. Passionately committed, not just committed, not just passionate, passionately committed. Jesus is coming back again. The battle's been won. Christ is victorious. That's a given. You're not going to stop it or break it or not do a good enough job of it. God just calls us to come and follow me. He wants you to come and reflect the difference he's made in your heart. You've all been wondering why I've got a disco ball. The image, yeah, never. Why would Alice have a strange analogy? The image I had was of a disco ball, not a source of light in of itself. In a dark roof, we switched off all the lights. This wouldn't generate any light at all. It purely reflects the source of the light. And it transforms the environment around it, doesn't it? Do you think we'll be able to get it installed in our flat? <laughs> our thumbs up from Susie. There we go. You all saw that. In accepting the gift of Jesus Christ, in allowing the Holy Spirit to change us from the inside, we can reflect the Jesus that we know who came to bring peace. The wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. Doesn't our world need to hear that truth? And don't I need that light too? Because I've been on the receiving end of that light. You see, I've got this weird medical condition that results in periodic trips to the QE and makes me more interesting than anyone wants to be to a medical student. And at one particular interaction with my consultant, he'd given me some pretty bleak news. And I came out into the massive foyer in the QE. It feels a bit like an airport, doesn't it? Feeling a bit dazed and, to be honest, in a bit of darkness. But by God incident, none other than Mr. Vince Ricketts, who we actually have here in the flesh. <laughs> he happened to be in the QE at the same time. And we bumped into each other in that massive airport um, and got to actually sit down together and, and share a little drink together. And Vince began to share some of the truth that God had been speaking to, to him that morning. And not only did it speak into my situation, but I felt a light shone into the darkness. I'd felt that it caused me to walk out of the QE actually chuckling to myself. (laughs) But you might say, I can't do that. I'm not like Vince. I'm not like Adrian or Lucy. I can't set up a charity. I can't change the world. God's not asking you to be anything other than who he made you to be, reflecting who he is. It's not about Vince or my friend. It's about him. And the world needs him so desperately. Some words are just going to come up on the screen that I read um, by a lady called Shauna Nequise who wrote Present Over Perfect. 
She said, so many of us twist ourselves up in knots, trying desperately to be something else or someone else, some endless list of qualities that we think will make us more loved or safe or happy. But God tells the rain to pour down, to just pour down. He tells the snow to simply fall. What are the things he's asking you to do? The things he made you to do? The things you do effortlessly and easily? What do you do with the ease and lightness of falling snow? Many of us have wandered so far from those things. We've got wrapped up in what someone else wanted us to be. What we thought would keep us happy and safe and gain us approval. But there's tremendous value in travelling back to the loves and skills and passions that God planted in us long ago. Where are you at this Advent season? There's been invitations and challenges throughout this series. And wherever you find yourself today, can I just say welcome? Welcome to a family of people who want to follow Jesus, who want to see his kingdom come on earth, because we know how desperately our world needs it. We come as we are, warts and all, and say, oh, come, let us adore him. Do you find yourself lost in the darkness? Can I invite you just to draw people around you who will walk with you into the light that extinguishes that darkness? Maybe you've seen the light of Jesus and want to follow him. Please come and find me afterwards. I would so, so love to pray with you. And maybe you've known the light of Jesus for a long time, but the mirrors have become a bit dulled. It's been harder to reflect him recently. That's okay. Don't stay where you are, though. Come and find someone you trust, maybe someone in your small group, to pray this through with you. Because we walk this journey together, right? I'm going to invite the band up to um, lead us in a final song. And as they do that, I'm just going to pray for us, church. I'm going to pray a prayer that I came across in a a book written by someone called Muntha Isaac, a Palestinian church pastor who was guiding his church through the series of Advent, a part of the world like many others that are longing so desperately for a day when the Prince of Peace will rule and reign. And this is what he prayed. May God bless you with holy anger at injustice, oppression and exploitation of people so that you may tirelessly work for justice, freedom and peace among all people. May God bless you with the gift of tears to shed with those who suffer from pain, rejection and starvation or the loss of all that they cherish so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and transform their pain into joy. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can really make a difference in this world so that you are able with God's grace and his authority to do what others claim cannot be done. Oasis Church, Christ is coming again. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine for a a child is born to us. A son is given and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never, ever end. Amen.